Hi, and welcome to the Circle of Film Podcast. I'm Ryan, and join me as we step into Never, Rarely, Sometimes, Always in today's review episode. I can show you the world. Just take a look through my eyes. Never, Rarely, Sometimes, Always is new... It's a new 2020 film. Uh, You can find it on Amazon right now. I think, question mark, that it had some theatrical release uh, distribution before all the theaters shut down. Uh, But I'm not 100% sure about that. Uh, But yeah, you can find it. You can stream it on Amazon. Um, I think it's like $20. So there's that. Uh, Directed by Eliza Hittman. She directed... A criti- the critically acclaimed Beach Rats from 2017, uh, which I think it's fine. I think it's just fine. Uh, it stars Sidney Flanagan, Talia Ryder, among others. Uh, both are, you know, this is like the first movie they've ever been in. Uh, and th- it follows the two of them uh, from their home in rural Pennsylvania, to New York City. Uh, there's more to it than that, of course, but I went in, pra- you know, completely blind. I think I'd seen the poster, and it's uh, about it. I, I wasn't really sure what I was getting myself into. Uh, I'd heard good things. It has a 3.9 average score on Letterboxd, which is pretty strong. Um, it has an average rating of 7.2 on IMDb, which is good. Um, so, you know, I, I went in with some expectations, but I wasn't, uh, wasn't really sure what the movie was going to be. And it, even, I guess, you know, 20 minutes into it, I think there's a, there's a moment about 20, 25 minutes of the movie where you kind of realize, okay, the movie's going to take a sharp turn and it's basically going to only be about this one thing for the rest of its running time and how that thing uh, impacts uh, our main character autumn and uh, her friend skylar who are the ones that travel to new york city it is it it's it's definitely not a comedy uh you know, I think the movie tackles a pretty, pretty deep issue. One that I feel like I've, I feel like I'm seeing more and more often uh, in movies now. Uh, almost to the point where I'm seeing it too much. But I don't know if I'd go quite that far. Almost, uh, but it does feel like you know a, a teenage, a teenager you know, in uh, having to deal with a problem that they feel like is personal to them, that they don't want to involve, you know, their parents or other adults uh, in in handling, uh, is definitely not a new movie. You know, it's not a new idea. Uh, But it feels like, despite how many of these we keep getting, each director uh, that, that tackles those types of movies is continuing to find a way to present them in a way, present those present them in a way that uh, shows us a different side of it you know uh, some of them really straddle the line between comedy and drama uh, some of them 
how uh, you know deal with relationship like romantic relationships which never really sometimes always does not uh you know this movie really focuses on uh autumn's personal standing in, in, in like how she views herself and and what she thinks of herself in relation to what's happened to her and what i what i one of the things that i really liked about the movie was how it didn't it doesn't spend a lot of time ruminating and and like discussing what's going on like the autumn and skylar spent I don't know, a good hour of the movie pretty much just together, like, moving walk, moving around in New York City. And despite that, there, are, there aren't a lot of, like, heartfelt conversations between the two of them about what to do, about, you know, how this is going to impact them for the rest of their lives. There's this under... There's this unspoken relationship that they have where they kind of just both know what's got to be done, they both know, you know, it's not going to be easy. You know, they are constantly met with you know, um, people telling them, okay, you, well, you can't do with this thing, so you have to do something else first. Or this thing, can't. we can't do it right now, you have to wait another night. You have to wait another day. You have to wait another day. And it's frustrating. And at the same time, and so I really like how it's, the movie doesn't try to, like, beat you over the head with, you know, blatant messaging about this issue. It's a big issue, uh, for sure. One that a lot of people are are very, very passionate about, and uh, on both sides of it. And the movie has a there's a slight jab at the the movie definitely takes a side, and. But because it doesn't ever have the conversation, it never, you know, once uh, Autumn and Skylar leave their hometown, we never really go back. We never really see Autumn interact with her parents after that, uh, you know, and, and, and when we do, it's never her, you know, telling them, this is what I did, this is what I had to do, uh, I couldn't tell you, but it's done now, uh, you know, that, that never happens. And it's kind of, you kind of get the impression that it never was, it's never going to happen. That short of, you know, the parents, you know, hiring a private investigator or something like that. Like, it's never, like, it's, it's just a moment in time that is, it is part of Autumn's life and is never going to exist outside of it. Uh, which... I think is is probably pretty accurate for a lot of the time, a lot of these types of situations. You know, they're, you know, it's a very personal moment, and she chose the one person that she wanted to share that with, and that's Skylar. And you know, she picked her person, and it's a thing that's going to bond them, and it doesn't have to be a bigger deal than it is. And so the movie definitely taking its side in the, on this issue. Also, there's a, there's a little bit of a little bit of a jab get at the other side uh, with regard to um, uh, uh, the sort of 
the, the sort of pivotal scene that shifts the movie into the direction it ends up wanting to go in. And I liked the subtlety of that. I guess it's not overly subtle, but given the fact that you know the movie doesn't come out and say, oh, people who are against X are bad people, or people who are working to prevent X from taking place are bad people. There's no dialogue like that, never, not at all. Uh, but there's definitely a couple of conversations later into the movie where things that we thought were true are not, and now you're looking back on what happened in the beginning and thinking, oh well, that's kind of strange. You know, why why would how could they be so wrong? How how could they have misjudged the truth of the matter so blatantly, so so egregiously, and the underlying message there that I that I'm interpreting is that it was not a mistake that it was intentional that it was uh, you know supposed to be you know that they they shared that information willingly and and to hopefully prevent um, autumn from taking this the next steps that they kind of assumed she was going to do or at least preventing her from having as much uh, pre- preventing her from easily being able to to take the next steps, especially as you know a seventeen year old girl who is not an adult yet, who you know most of the things that she she does in in her life she needs you know adult permission at still. Um, so there's that. Uh, outside of that, I, I thought that Sydney Flanagan was great. I thought. You know, she's very reserved and withdrawn. That's the character, really. I, I don't know if Sidney Flanagan is like that, but the character is definitely like that. You know, she, especially when we see her early in the movie, she makes decisions on her own. We don't really see her make the decision. We just see the sort of fallout of the decision. Um, you know, she pierces her nose by herself, uh, just, you know, there's no, I don't know, it's not a big deal. It's just, all right, I got a piece of ice. Uh, I just, uh, you know, I have a pin. I have a, a safety pin. I, you know, heat the, heated that up and, oh, now my nose is pierced. And it's just just like that. You know, there's no fanfare. It's just a, a thing that she did in her life. And I think she treats, she being Autumn, treats that, Treats a lot of the things uh, in in her life that way. She treats, you know, the openings. One of the opening moments is her singing, and uh, afterward they're at dinner. She's at dinner with her family, and you know, people are like complimenting her and how well she did. And she just like kind of shrugs it off. She's like, "Well, yeah, thanks, I guess." Um, because I don't know. For for her, everything is just it is what it is. It is how it is. It's. You know, there's not, it's not like she's doing anything special or, or supernatural or unique or, or extraordinary. It's just her doing things. And meanwhile, you have Skylar, who we don't get quite as much information about. Uh, they work together at, I think, a grocery store type of a place. And, you know, Skylar, we see early on, obviously, you know, there's a bond there. We don't get a lot of backstory on that, but 
you know, the couple of first couple of interactions that the two share, we see that they have a connection and that they care about each other. Uh, but Skylar's far more outgoing and she seems a little, you know, more, I don't know, flirtatious, I guess. And that also ends up be, ha, playing a large role in the film later on uh, in, a, in a way that I feel like I kind of assumed was going to happen after, you know, on the trip to New York City, uh, there's a interaction that they have on the bus that kind of, for me at least, foretold uh, something that was going to happen that eventually kind of did, not exactly in the way that I thought it was going to, but, uh, you know, getting to see, getting to see Skylar as the supporting character, um, have her own arc in this movie, have a personality trait that we've, we saw in the first half of the movie eventually be paid off, quote unquote, in, you know, sort of challenging who she is and, and challenging who her relationship with Autumn, challenging, you know, the way they view other people, the way they interact with um, everyone around them. I liked seeing that, uh, you know, at, just to get, just to allow Skylar to be more than simply um, supporting to Autumn. You know, she had to do her own, she had her own shit to deal with. And uh, I liked getting to see her uh, kind of confront things as well. Uh, a couple of other supporting characters, like all the family members of Autumn's have like two scenes, maybe. I guess like the third most frequently seen character is Theodore Pellerin, who plays uh, Jasper, who is the aforementioned person that they meet on the bus. Um, who I mostly recognized from... Uh, a short film from a couple of years ago called Incel, and uh, he's a he's kind of a strange-looking guy. Um, he's also he was also in Boy Erased, uh, as well as uh, It's Only the End of the World. I don't remember him in It's Only the End of the World. I don't really remember that movie, but I do remember Incel, and uh, he he really fits the bill there. I would say. And here, I think he's kind of playing a similar character, but there's definitely a little more restraint, a little more subtlety uh, to to what he's doing, which goes a long way, I think. Um, but it's it's really mostly just Skylar and Autumn. That's this movie, and I think they're really good in it. Uh, in a year where, you know, we haven't had a theatrical release in over a month. Uh, this is a movie that's got, you know, more than enough high quality elements uh, to, to make a pretty big dent in uh, my personal uh, awards for the year, at least. Um, there is a, the, the title of the film, Never Rarely Sometimes Always, refers to like one of those questionnaires where it's like, I am selfish. And then you have to answer, like, super agree, super disagree, somewhere in the middle. Uh, basically the same thing, except I, you know, this thing happens to you. And then you say, never, rarely, sometimes, or always. Uh, and the, there's a scene where this is happening, and it's a verbal 
conversation that Autumn is having with someone else. Definitely my favorite scene of the movie. Uh, it's, you know, Autumn, not a talkative person. And in this scene, she does not do a lot of talking. Uh, it starts out with her a little kind of frustrated at having to even answer the questions. Um, and I, I would even go, I could even, I would even suggest that like she's kind of annoyed that, um, annoyed in the sense that like she doesn't want to tell the truth and answer accurately for fear of like what it means to say to answer accurately and so she eventually just stops answering and uh it's a pretty pretty powerful moment um in general but also specifically for autumn's character i think it it show it's the probably one of the mo more vulnerable moments that she gets um and i i think you know, when you have a character that's kind of withdrawn, that's kind of soft-spoken, that, you know, doesn't share a lot, uh, and, and in a movie where very little is really shared and, and there's very little exposition, having a moment like this goes that much further, that much farther uh, to the experience, to, to, to understanding these characters, to following their stories. And uh, I think, for me, I, I thought that moment was... was pretty affecting uh eliza hitman she directed the film it's and also wrote the film i thought the writing was pretty good uh it wasn't it's tough you know when you have a movie that doesn't have a ton of dialogue like this um it's harder to kind of notice the writing uh, and it's i mean it's hard to notice the writing outside of the dialogue in the first place for most people i would say uh, myself included, and, you know, when the dialogue is even less than what it generally might be in a movie, uh, it, it makes it that much more difficult to kind of assess how well a movie is written, and I think, you know, there's no moments in Never Really, Sometimes Always, where I'm thinking, well, that doesn't make any sense, you know, I, I mentioned the guy that they meet on the bus, and how that eventually came back later in a way that I not exactly as I, how I thought it would, but definitely that it would happen. And I think that is a quality that, that good writing showcases. It's like, it's not, it's not the idea of throwing something at you that you could have never predicted. It's the idea of throwing something at you that makes a, that's logically conclusive from what you've already known from all the information that you have, but still managing to give it to you in a way that still makes sense, but that you weren't thinking about, you know, making it, you know, there's always some sort of, some degree of, I can't quite, you know, you have a character with a goal and it's not always, you're not always going to achieve that goal. And a lot of movies give you that goal, right? You have to beat the bad guy and eventually you beat the bad guy and that's it. But sometimes the better movies, you know, oh, well, there's consequences. You can't just beat them. You maybe have to sacrifice something to get to the point where you can beat them. Uh, you maybe lose something along the way. You have to, you know, at, you know, X, Y, Z. And in this, you know, there are a couple of times where the things that Autumn and Skylar are trying to achieve, their goals are being, you know, prevented by 
you know, uh, red tape around, you know, how the processes work or the way that other characters are thinking and how they're responding to what they want, uh, specifically Jasper's character uh, later on in the movie. And so I think that's a that's one of the moments where, independent of the dialogue, I think you can see how the writing is achieving telling its story uh, in, a, in a successful and effective manner. Um... I don't know. Like, it's a pretty, looks like it's a pretty low budget movie. I think it came out in, it did some film festivals. It must have. Uh, it definitely played in theaters. It definitely got, like, it got into the arc lights, at least, uh, which is a pretty big deal, I would say. Um, you know, I, I think. People have compared it to stuff to... I've seen a couple of comparisons to um, Juno, which I get why they're comparing it to Juno. I would rather uh, compare it to something else. Uh, and let me... It's a really long title. Make sure I get the title right. Uh, but it also played at... What film festival? Uh, Berlin. Played at Berlin International. Uh, I would compare... Never Rarely, Sometimes, Always, its own long title, for sure, uh, to a movie that came out last year, and it's on Netflix, or at least it was. I, I presume it is still there. Uh, and that is uh, The Body Remembers When the World Broke Open. I think uh, they deal, they don't deal with exactly the same subject matter, but they deal with similar characters, similar similar relationships. Both of them are predominantly about two women uh, helping each other. Uh, the difference being, in never really, sometimes, always, you have two friends, and in The Body Remembers When the World Broke Open, it's, first of all, all shot in a single take, uh, but second of all, it's about two characters who meet each other at the start of the film and uh, develop their own relationship that way. But I think the tones are very similar. I think... Uh, Autumn's character is very similar to um, the character of Autumn, rather, uh, is very similar to uh, Isla, uh, El Maya Tailfeather's character in The Body Remembers When the World Broke Open. So if, if you watch Never Really, Sometimes Always, or if you've already watched it and you liked it, I would recommend The Body Remembers When the World Broke Open. I think there's a lot there's a lot of overlap between the two films, in my opinion. Uh, yeah. And that's, uh, it's kind of it, though. Like, I don't want to get too deep into spoilers. I mean, I'm, I can, like, read the synopsis, the, like, one-sentence summary on Letterboxd, and it gives away, like, the thing. And maybe I've kind of given away the thing in, in how I've described it and talked around it, but... I don't know. I feel like you you have a better experience in most movies when you don't fully know what's going to happen. It's not always true, but for me, it is. So, yeah. Never, rarely, rarely, sometimes, always. Uh, definitely, you know, depending on you know how movies get released for the rest of the year, uh, if we get any more theatrical releases, you know, between now and 
the fall, which is a huge question mark, even if we get that, if, if we get them even then, uh, this could be a, a big one for me in a, in a quote unquote weak year. Uh, so I would recommend it. And I think you should uh, check it out if you have any inclination. <sighs> That's 2020's Never Rarely, Sometimes Always, directed by Eliza Hitman, starring Sidney Flanagan and Talia Ryder among others. So, that's going to be it for today's episode, Friday, April 17th. I mentioned that Monday's episode is probably going to be top 10 actors born in the 1920s. Then next Friday's episode is probably going to be the scavenger hunt review that I did earlier this month, and the Monday after that is a big question mark, but there's a lot of time between now and then. So, hopefully something will jump out at me um that's yeah uh another fun fact uh this is and i again i feel like i say this every time i hit a milestone that i don't really think about the milestones at all they don't really impact how i do any of the episodes that i do but for what it's worth this is apparently according to my notes the 500th episode of the podcast so take that for what it is Thank you for listening um, for as many as many of those episodes that's, that you have. It means a lot. If you'd like to find more episodes, you can find them on iTunes, Stitcher, place where podcasts can be found. You can also find all the episodes on circleoffilm.com, including a bunch of other things. You can find me on Letterboxd at Circle of Film. You can find me on Twitter at Circle of Film. Or you can email circleoffilm at gmail.com about anything, everything. You can support the show, like it, rate it, review it, subscribe to it, tell somebody about it. Uh, and, uh, there's really no need to support it financially given the current climate of the, of the world. But if you are so inclined, you can find uh, a way to do that on patreon.com slash circle of film, where for as little as $1 a month, you can have early access to the episodes that are released early. Finally, got to thank Brian for being uh, a wonderful patron for the show. Um, just uh, very generous, very, very appreciative, very supportive uh, of what, what I'm doing, and it means a lot. Uh, and thank you, the listener, for listening. That is the best thing. And uh, as always, have a week. So long, farewell, I'll be the same night. I know she'll never leave me, even as she fades from Nothing's really left or lost without a trace. Nothing's gone for.